Our first reading this morning comes from the book of the prophet Jeremiah, the 31st chapter. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin No more. People of God, let us read responsively whole verse by whole verse from Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. In your great compassion, blot out my offenses. Wash me through and through from my wickedness and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my offenses, and my sin is ever before me. Against you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are justified when you speak, and right in your judgment. Indeed, I was born steeped in wickedness, a sinner from my mother's womb. Indeed, you delight in truth deep within me. And would have me know wisdom deep within. Remove my sins with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be purer than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness that the body you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sin and blot out all my wickedness. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. And take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And sustain me with your bountiful spirit. Our second reading this morning comes from the letter to the Hebrews, the fifth chapter. Christ did not glorify himself in becoming a high priest, but was appointed by the one who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears, To the one who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered, and having been made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him, having been designated by God a high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek. 
The Holy Gospel this morning, according to St. John, the 12th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will my servants be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Now my soul is troubled, and what should I say, Father, forgive me from this hour? No, it is for this reason I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said that it was thunder. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, The voice has come for your sake, not for mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate the kind of death he was to die. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. People of God, will you pray with me this morning? Have mercy on us, O God, according to your steadfast love. In your great compassion, blot out our offenses. Wash us through and through. Purge our sins with hyssop. Make us clean and draw us unto yourself. Create in us a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within us. Cast us not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from us. Restore to your creation the joy of your salvation and sustain us all with your free, bountiful spirit. Sustain us with that spirit that makes this word you have given to us burst forth with life. That in all things, we may be called your servants and be found where you are. All these things and all the things of our hearts, we lift before you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Sir, we wish to see Jesus. 
We who look for the day of Christ's return internalize this request, particularly at times when the course of our daily lives seems to be too much to bear. When doctors speak words we've prayed never to hear. When loneliness and separation drag our hearts down into the pit of our stomachs. When trauma persists to claim a piece of us it never should have been allowed to take in the first place. When we look around and see how women, men, and children suffer abuse and are marked for death because of where they're from, what they do, the color of their skin, or the accent in their voice. At these times, most especially, we wish to see Jesus, to know and experience the blessing of his presence, to to glean from him some wisdom that might ease our anxieties, to have his teachings and his power tear down the self-serving systems of greed and hatred, bringing justice, peace, and wholeness to all creation. We wish, we wish to see Jesus. The Greeks who came to Jerusalem for the Passover had a similar idea. Passover was the biggest pilgrimage festival in Jerusalem, and it attracted people from all over, both Jewish faithful as well as others who wanted to come for the week-long festivities. What's implied, but not immediately made known in this text, is that this request to see Jesus is the beginning of a prophetic fulfillment. The nations of the world beginning to draw closer to God in worship and devotion as they seek out the God-made flesh in Jesus. We should pay careful attention to how they wish to meet him. They come first to one of Jesus' disciples, Philip, who goes then to another disciple, Andrew, and together they bring the Greeks' request before Jesus. It is through those whom Jesus has called to follow him, his disciples, that others know where to go to even ask to see Jesus. We, Christ's church, are the ones who God calls to help make the connection, to make the introduction between Jesus and those who long to see him, just as we do. Sharing our common worship, pointing to God's promises made real for us in water, word, bread, and wine. Gathering the scattered and extending Jesus' love to the overlooked and the oppressed. They all long to see Jesus. And we have the opportunity to look to him together, if only we will. Even before the coronavirus gathering restrictions, we've never had people seeking us out to hear the good news of God's love in Christ. 
Make no mistake, people still search to make meaning of the world, yearning for relationships that are honest, genuine, and full of integrity, hoping with all hope that we will find in others the mercy, compassion, and forgiveness which Jesus embodies. People look desperately to have their burdens eased and their brokenness restored and made whole. And yet, even though we know exactly where to look, not many come to us asking to see Jesus. And there must be some reason for that. I personally believe it's because as much as we say it, we really don't want to see Jesus. We want what Jesus offers, but we are content to not ask what it costs. We want the Easter sunshine, the the promise of life without end, and the assurance that we are good to go in the eyes of God. We want all the good stuff to come to see Jesus on our own terms, in our own space, in our own way. But when Jesus hears that people have come to search him out in this way, he shifts our attention in a different direction. Jesus reveals his own troubled soul, the weight of his self-reflection on what is about to come. And the reality of God's seed falling to the earth, dying and bearing the fruit of the kingdom In spite of it all. We don't really want to see Jesus because we don't want to see a man betrayed, beaten, broken, crucified and laid in the ground dead. We don't want to see the ways that we betray our neighbors by making excuses for the injustices that they suffer, telling ourselves that they had it coming shaking our heads that it's, it's so sad for those people over there, thinking even ever so smallly in the back of our mind, thank God we're not them. Entering into a, a back and forth where we lay out all of our sufferings to another as if to say, so you think you have it bad? Look at me. How's that for seeking to save one's own life? We don't really want to see Jesus because we see the innocent suffer and die each and every day and we turn and look the other way. And yet Jesus says that is where he will be. Whoever serves Jesus must follow him. And we, like Philip, Andrew, Peter, and the rest of the disciples, are often unwilling to follow Jesus as he is carted off to face his own death. Abandoning him each and every time God's demand for justice in the world butts up against our sense of identity and security. We want to be comforted in our presently held convictions unbothered by the cries of those who long to see Jesus from the back streets and overpasses of our communities. We don't want to see Jesus 
Because where Jesus can be found is too often too uncomfortable for us. We love our own lives just the way that they are. So much so that we do not see how we forfeit them regardless of how hard we're trying to do otherwise. And unwilling to surrender our own way of thinking about the world or being challenged to commit to a fuller, deeper life of disciplined discipleship, we march right along, content that we have heard the promise of Jesus, yet unwilling to share it with others and make the introduction to those who have come from afar. Philip went to Andrew and together they went to Jesus He didn't take the Greeks by the hand and say, come and see. How much more do we do the same? But see, now the hour is at hand. And rather than seeking to save ourselves, Jesus shows us not only the purpose of his own life, but of our own. To draw all people together into Christ Jesus, regardless of the shame regardless of the discomfort, regardless of the uncertainty which comes from faithful obedience to the good news of God's kingdom. It cannot be about us, our own desires, our own wants, our own preferences. Even as we lament and long for God's promised liberation, our cry is not to echo King David, Father, save me from this hour, but to point to Jesus. God, glorify your name. God's name receives glory in the person of Jesus. And at this moment in time in John's gospel, God's name will receive glory again when Jesus remains faithful to his mission of extending God's reign to the world, even to the point of enduring a shameful death vindicated in the glory of his own resurrection. We cannot see Jesus unless confronted with the startling scene of his crucifixion and resurrection. We cannot bypass the anticipation of Holy Week, the the solemn conversations held at his last meal, the mockery, shame, and humiliation of his public execution or the dark, cold, lifeless grief of his burial. We cannot show people the emptiness of the tomb unless we first see for ourselves the world for which Jesus surrendered himself to death and the love that he demonstrates as he draws all people to himself. The shame of the cross is where we must look to see Jesus confronted with our own culpability in his crucifixion, yet clinging to this and other teachings that he has entrusted to us to share. God has already passed judgment on this world, promising to bear much fruit and drive away the forces of sin, death and the devil, which claim to rule us from the face of this earth gathering us all together in the life of the crucified and risen one. 
So tell me now. Who wishes to see Jesus? Amen.